And I screamed and I said, no, I don't forgive you. No, I don't forgive you. I'm everything you wanted. No children, no ex-husbands, no everything he wanted. I was. And I and at that point, I had not forgiven him. But maybe 10 years later, I found myself praying for him. And I thought, oh my goodness, you're praying for him. Like most conversations with my mom, this one took a turn. See, I thought we were going to be talking about her grief surrounding her mom and my dad. But instead, we ended up talking about her marriage and it got emotional. We talked about domestic violence and survival and reconciliation and forgiveness. And of course, us, her children. We talked about the myth of the strong black woman and how she made it through all of it. See, my mom is very poised and well put together. But when you get down to the heart of things, she'll give you the real. And that's what we did here. So get your tissues, cause things are about to get deep. My father died on June 20th, 2018. I was 37 years old and suddenly everything I knew about myself was uprooted. I had so many questions and there were so many layers to peel back. Who was my daddy? And who am I as a result? What was his legacy? And what will mine be? My mantra for 2019 was happy, healthy, whole. I was determined to face my grief and heal. And my girls were there with me every single step of the way. I found strength in my vulnerability and we had open, honest, transparent conversations. And that's what we're gonna do here in this space. So grab your journal, light some candles, pour a glass of wine and get cozy. I'm Charity Bailey and girl, we need to talk. Thank you for joining me, mom. Hey. Hi, daughter. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad that you're able to sit down uh, to have this very important conversation with me. Um, I, I can't lie. We've talked about it before. When daddy died, it really just drove home the fact that we could lose you too. And I felt like every time I turned around, I was thinking of this daunting thoughts of you not being here. And a lot of folks, they say that they experienced the same thing. Did you experience that when your mother died? When my mother died, I felt numb for mm. goodness. About eight months, about eight months, I felt numb. It was like I had to take care of the business. And so I couldn't really feel anything. I had to take care of the business. So you took care of the business. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like you always do. Well, I'm the oldest of six. And unfortunately, she left me in charge of everything. So I had to deal with all the estate issues, probate, siblings, <laughs> which probably was the hardest thing, <laughs> um, selling a house, things like that. Yeah. And you also had to help your nieces and nephews and your daughters grieve your own mom yes. as well. Yes. Yes. Um, they seem to feel like I'm, since she passed, I'm the matriarch. Yeah. And I said, no, no. My daughters uh, come first. And I don't know that 
I don't know that I even helped them grieve. They didn't call me. They each had their own way of grieving, um, sometimes destructive grieving. Uh, but I think you and Elizabeth and, and Janelle handled it better than your cousins, um, mainly because I was there, you know. Yeah, you definitely that helped kind us of through helps. Yeah. Uh, I know for myself, I had some very personal conversations with Deer. That's what we call my grandmother. <laughs> uh, and so I felt like she kind of prepared me for her death as well. Because she told me, wow, I'm ready to go home and be with Jesus. And as you know, her house was always busy. The phone was always ringing. There was always somebody on the line who needed something. But the few weeks before I went home to see her, it was like God was telling me like, all right, Right. We're about to transition. And then once I got home to see her, we had like two or three hours to ourselves where the phone didn't ring. Nobody came over and we got to have a conversation. And in that conversation, she said, you know, I'm, I'm ready to meet my maker. Yeah. And so yeah. it was a lot. Maybe I had a jump start on it. Um, but you mentioned being numb and just having to power through to handle the business, to take care of kids, to. Uh, make sure that everybody else was all right. And that's something that we as black women do. I mean, it's it's the strong black woman thing. And uh, how do you think that strong black woman label both serves us and also takes away so much? <laughs> it depends on how the woman, it depends on how the the black woman you're talking about what she looks like externally. People always mistook me for being in charge, the boss. Every job I went to, they thought I was the supervisor. Um, when inside, I'm, I'm in turmoil. Mm -hmm. Other black women, they may come across as angry. I mean, really angry or with an attitude you know, I worked with some young black women and I really wanted to talk to them about some of the things that were going on in their lives that um, maybe caused them to behave the way they did and come across to people the way they did. Um, but I never got the opportunity. Yeah. Well, some might say me, I am some, that we have a right to be mad about a lot that's going on in the world in general. And my attitude comes from a space. But you mentioned that some of it happens to be the things that we're going through that nobody knows that we're going through. Exactly. Yeah. So while we're talking about the things that nobody knows that we're going through, I know that uh, one Christmas, one of my very fond memories is that Elizabeth had bought you a gift and you opened it and you just yes. melted and you came apart. I did. I think that was the first time that I actually saw you openly grieve. What do you think it was in that moment that brought you from numb to externally expressing how you were feeling? What was it about that gift that did that for you? It was a gold figurine shaped like a, a woman seated and a child 
with his or her head on the woman's lap. It's okay. And all three of my daughters were there and it just hit me that I would never be able to lay my head on my mother's lap again. And that just got to me. And Elizabeth, is, she's usually the one that gives me a gift that either is something that I wanted or something that I really like uh, because maybe she listens, I don't know, but she just kind of picks up on things. But that, <laughs> I don't think she expected. I don't yeah. think she expected that response from me. I didn't expect that response from me. Yeah, I don't think any of us expected it. But no, because y'all see me as a strong black mama. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why. Yeah. You're, you're very vulnerable, mom. And I think that that's one of the things that I do appreciate about you is that you're very open and uh, you're, you're vulnerable and you allow us to voice our opinions probably a little bit too much. <laughs> I've been told that for sure. <laughs> You allow your daughters to openly disagree with you. Yes, I do, because that way I know what they're thinking. Yes. <laughs> in, in their ranting and raving, I know, I know what's in that head. And as, you know, raising daughters, um, you want to know what they're thinking. You want to know their opinions. And you want to try to respect their opinions, even though they're different from yours sometimes. Yeah. Well, again, that's one of the things that I do appreciate about you. And uh, as we've gotten older, of course, our opinions are changing and they clash and, you know, <laughs> you become the mediator and the moderator and uh, the sounding board. And you were really that when daddy died. And so as a woman, I, I remember looking at you and going, hmm, how is she doing this? Right, because it's so layered. You, you and Daddy had, you and Daddy were married about ten years, about right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll allow you to expound upon your relationship, but there was abuse. Yes. And so, for you to then come back and be with him and be by his side in the hospital, I really admired that. But for me, I guess my question is more so where you found a the strength to do that the love to do that the understanding the grace i forgave your dad a long time ago before he died um before i even knew he was sick before the long absence um so when he got sick my heart went to my daughters and i knew especially you I knew how you felt about your dad and, mm -hmm. and Janelle and Elizabeth. Um, I know that you all missed him and to have him come back into your life sick unto death, actually. We didn't know for sure if he was gonna make it or not make it. So to me, again, it was all about you all. I mean, I said before, the best job I ever had in my life is the only, the only job I never applied for is the best job I ever had in my life. And that's being a mother. 
I didn't apply to be a mother, didn't fill out an application, didn't go around looking for being a mother, but it's the best job I ever had. And for some reason, y'all are my priority. I don't, I don't know if all mothers feel that way, but I always felt that it could be because of my background also, because I was a social work and corrections major. <laughs> and I decided the one time I went into a youth prison, quote unquote, and that 15 foot wall gate slammed behind me, a chill went up my spine and I thought, what if I can't get out of here? <laughs> so gave up the corrections, but went to the social work end and psychology, sociology, all, all those classes that help you deal with issues of the mind. And I knew, even if you, you all didn't tell me what you were going through, what you felt, I felt you. I felt the loss, that you lost something that you couldn't get back. And that, that was your dad. Yeah. And, and I wanted you all to feel comfortable. I, I stepped back. Um, for instance, when you asked me, you were grabbing my hand really hard to, to walk into the service. And you went with me to pick out the dress. You always can dress me. You went with me to put, pick out the dress and said, wear that and wear this and wear that and do your hair. This is what I did all of that. And then you said, walk out with me at the service. And I thought, my first thought was, oh my goodness. What are other people going to say? Other people in his family mostly say. And then I thought, mm -mm, this is what my daughters want. It's their dad. Mm -hmm. Whatever anybody else thinks, that's their problem. Yeah. And the thinking behind that was, first of all, as you know, Janelle and Elizabeth are quick, like, this is the wife. <laughs> oh. But also for me, it was the support factor, right? So Janelle has her husband. Elizabeth has a husband. And, exactly. you know, the girls were there. And I don't have a, a daddy up until he wasn't there was my male figure that held my hand. And exactly. my best friend, he's also married, though, at this point, you know, so the dynamic of our friendships has changed. And so you were, you were my hand and, mm. and you were my person that I needed to okay. walk me through that, that time. Uh, and again, I've, I've said before that I found so much admiration for you because for me, what I saw was the hand that he used to hit you and harm you was the hand that you held in the end. And that's so admirable. And also, I don't know that all of us could do that. That's why I asked where you found it. Outside of us, I'm trying to get down to the nitty gritty of where you even get that. Because I've said before, I'm driving the car through the house if you touch me. <laughs> and in addition to all of that, just the turmoil over the years and the back and the forth and the yada, yada, yada. And then we get to the end. And for you to be able to take all of that, shelf it and go, I'm here. To me, that's bigger than us. To me, that's something that says a lot about you and what's inside of you. I, all I can say is it goes back to supporting you all. Yeah. So who supported you? Who supported you when Deer died? <sighs> like I said, um, actually, in thinking back about it, 
the busy work, yeah. the taking care of the business. And then Elizabeth was with me a lot. She went with me to the attorney and she was my little sounding board. And mm -hmm. I remember um, you all, you and Janelle, I forget where we were, but you said, uh, Libby, Nellie and I are going to, we're going to go somewhere. Um, do you want to come with us? And she said, no, I'm going to stay with mom. And I watched her. She was 17. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what she was thinking or how she was thinking, but I felt like she felt like she wanted to support me. And it was helpful because, I mean, I think a lot of things that I did, like losing things, misplacing things, I couldn't, I lost a checkbook with some cash in it that a friend had given me to help pay for the, the funeral programs. And I backtracked and back thought, <laughs> don't know where it went. It never showed up. Whoever found it didn't turn it in. But um, a lot of the business I had to take care of took precedence. I can remember um, sleeping a lot too. Mm -hmm. And that probably was kind of some kind of depression. So do, how did going numb serve you? Do you do you think it just helped you get through? Do you think it didn't serve you, that it just came pouring out somewhere else or spilled out in other spaces and places in your life? I don't think it... I think it served me just to help me get through the business I had to take care of. And even now, sometimes I still have, you know, in the back of my mind, unfinished business in my garage. Mm -hmm. um, I just need to, I need to go through some, some of the things in the garage. I just, I had uh, people helping me who didn't know her and there was no one there to help me clear out her house. I mean, she had six children and each of the children had grandchildren and all of them had lived with her and left stuff behind except the three of you. I'm a procrastinator too. And I know that when I start going through, but I know when I start going through those papers, I have a tendency to look at everything and read everything. And my mind is such that I'm the one in the family. I'm the oldest of six, but I remember things they don't remember. And I said to my sister that's 16 years younger than me, she's the baby. How come you don't remember this? You don't remember this? And she says, no, I don't remember this, but I remember things. Um, and because I was, you have to also realize I was with my mother longer than all of them. Like yeah. you're, you've been long, you've been with me longer than your sisters because you're the oldest. So you've been with me 30, 39 <laughs> years. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't have a problem with that. Y'all gave me some good genes, child. <laughs> you sure did. Your sisters say you got all the skin, the clear skin hey, gave that me I gave genes. it. They say I gave it to you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine with that. So, Oftentimes as, as kids, we don't always, oftentimes as children, we don't see our parents as people. And mm -hmm. I think as an adult, especially as I start to hit certain milestones, I think about you more so as a woman than as my mom. So I've shared with you before that like when I turned 36, I woke up and I'm like, 
she had two kids and a crazy husband. And I think I was probably in the process of breaking up with somebody. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> how does she do this? You know, but as a woman, how do you process the death? And did you grieve daddy? I mean, you guys were married, built a life together. You built his business, had children, all of the things. I think I grieved him a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, one of the elementary school counselors pulled me into his office one day and asked me, he said, Ms. Bailey, I know what you've been going through, but have you forgiven him? And I remember going home by myself, because y'all were in school, and I sat in the bed and I just screamed. I remember that day. And I screamed and I said, no, I don't forgive you. No, I don't forgive you. I'm everything you wanted. No children, no ex-husbands, no everything he wanted. I was. Mm. And, I, and at that point, I had not forgiven him. But maybe 10 years later, I found myself praying for him. And I thought, oh, my goodness. You're praying for him in earnest, mm -hmm. not, excuse me, not just, oh, I'm going to pray for him. It just like it just came naturally. And that's when I realized you've forgiven him. You don't pray for, spontaneously yeah. pray for someone that you, that you haven't forgiven. Because I pray for him, but it's more so, <laughs> Lord, you better get him before I do. <laughs> no, 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 because yeah. I, I felt sorry for him, Charity. Mm -hmm. I felt sorry for him because I felt like I knew why he was the way he was. And he didn't really realize how he was, why he was the way he was, you know, You're talking about unchecked trauma and childhood exactly. stuff. And yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And yeah. then feeling insecure and working to death and just all kinds of things. My family, and I remember when the day that we were going to get married, my mother came to the house to bring me something, and I hugged her, and I said, this is it. I'm going to be married forever. And that was my mindset. So, you know, that was my mindset. I'm going to be married forever. And so that's, that was my, my goal, but it just didn't work out. You know, when I saw how the violence was affecting my daughters and me. I just, I couldn't. Yeah. The Lord said, you're not just responsible, you are responsible for your children. You're not just responsible for their food, clothing, and shelter, but you're responsible for their emotional and psychological well-being also, and you know better. And that was like a jolt. That was like the Lord talking to me saying, you know better, you know, and I did know better. That was conviction for me. And from there, I thought, what am I going to do? I haven't worked in seven, in six years. Um, had a really good paying job. Didn't know if I could go back to it or not. Didn't know if there were openings. Didn't child care. Yeah. Um, is he going to come after me looking for me? You know, yeah. that kind of thing. So a lot of it, I think, um, 
a lot of the stress was just internalized. But one of the things that I've said to my friends and to other people about you is the fact that while we're so different and I'm always like, mom, get them. The the one thing that I have found so courageous about you was the fact that you did. You decided, you know what? I got to get up. I have to leave. It doesn't matter that I don't have a job and that we own homes and cars and a business and all of these things that you took the step to get up and leave. And I think what that said to us is that regardless to what the circumstance is, your safety and your well-being is always the most important You don't have to stay with a man that's mistreating you and abusing you. And at the time, people were not so empowering of women who were getting up to leave. I remember specifically in our own community, church and that type of thing. Well, honey, he's just stressed and he's just this. And there were all these excuses Mm -hmm. and you chose Mm -hmm. yourself. And so for me, I'd like to say to you that I'm so proud of you for for doing that. And, you know, I love my daddy. And there's always this balance of like who he was who he was trying to be, what he was trying to figure out, all of the faults, you know, the good, bad, and different, the ugly. And I mean, we've said it before, everybody's just trying to figure it out, but like the book stops at violence. And so I appreciate yeah. you for that. Now yeah. you also talked about, um, you also talked about the goal of marriage and then it coming apart. And we have an episode coming up later that is about the invisible wounds. Mm. what was that grief like to come to the conclusion that this goal that you had is now coming apart and like pretty much blowing up in your face? I wasn't embarrassed at the point where probably because when I told, I told three people I was going to leave him. Um, Two fr- one friend of mine was a minister, and and he he be he became pastor and said, "Well, Jan, what do you, you know?" His pastoral information, and when I told him about the abuse, it was like he went silent. He was because he knew your dad, so he was shocked. He couldn't give me any advice. Another friend, minister and friend said. What you gonna do? I'll go with you. I said, no, you you can I will go with you to tell him you leave. I said, no. When I told my mother, she her face, the blood drained from her face. She says, well, what are you gonna do, Janice? I said, well, if I can stay here while I look for a job, I'll re- evict the tenants from our rental and get a restraining order and move in there. So the the marriage ended though. And so did you grieve your marriage at all? Didn't have time, Charity. Didn't have time. Um, I had I had left him in my heart a long time before then. You know, after other circumstances that I'm not going to talk about on here, um, it was like I had already separated myself emotionally from him. Okay. And so by the time the physical left, the, the, you know, the physical separation came about, I had already, you know, it was like, I didn't have a, that kind of affection for him. If it hadn't been for the abuse, I would have still stayed. I would have stayed. 
to work on it. Mm -hmm. So but what do you it takes two people to work on a marriage. Yeah. So what do you say to other women who might be in a similar circumstance, whether it be violence or just the fact that this is not working, things are not changing, but I don't want to let go of this idea of marriage and the goal that I set out for, for the fear of failure. Don't be, don't feel like you're a failure. Don't feel like you're a failure. It takes two to make a marriage work and it's never 50, 50 at times it's 50, 50, but things shift. Sometimes it's 60, 40, and then it might be 40, 60. The major thing is if you both want the marriage to work, you can work things out. If one wants to work things out and the other one doesn't, then you have to make your decision of what, you, what you're going to do. Set your own priorities. Uh, do you have children? Are you single? Do you have a job? Can you take care of yourself? Those kind of things. Um, now, when it comes to safety, physical safety, one of, my, one of you could have been hurt, Charity. That was yeah. the other thing because the violence was like rage. And a couple of times, one of you was in the path and almost got hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was kind of what made me kind of walk through. Well, my, that's when my family found out a couple yeah. of things. And so I had familiar support. Um, the woman that's going to leave, I'll tell you what my, one of my mother's friends told me, save, find yourself an account, open up an account he doesn't know about. Same with men. If she's open an account she doesn't know about, because I have a friend who was being abused by his wife. Save your money from your grocery money. Just put money aside and plan your, your exit. Make sure you have your, your papers, important papers and a bank account and a plan yeah. and get someone to help you with that, help you carry that plan out. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that. Things escalated and I just had to flee. So for you, the buck stops at domestic violence, man or woman, mm -hmm, period. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I believe you can get over, you can get over unfaithfulness. Uh, you can get over <laughs> if he mess he or she messes up the money. You can you know you can always say, look, we're gonna you messed up. We can we can start over. But with domestic violence, it only gets worse. The name calling, the emotional abuse. Um, even some psychological abuse, even financial abuse. You know, that's another thing people don't realize when you might think that, oh, she's taking handling all the money. But if you don't have your own money and he or she's not giving you, you don't have that leeway where you can go buy what you want to buy because you have your account. He's telling you, oh, you can't have that. But then he goes and buys what, what he wants. Financial abuse. Yeah. You're dumb. You're stupid. Nobody likes you. Those people over there don't like you. Your family's no good. You know, that kind of thing. And then the, that's, it can work on your mind. And that's why I say emotional abuse. And then there's, of course, the physical and then the psychological. That can come as a result of the verbal abuse.
Yeah. So I thought we were just going to be talking about grieving daddy and dear, but there's so many, <laughs> there's so many layers to it just in general. And how do you, how do you wade through the layers and pull things apart, whether it be um, grieving the life of your own mom, grieving daddy, helping us grieve? How, how do you do that? I don't, you know, I really don't feel like I've done so much. Uh, I, with the three of you, I listen. Um, and that's all I can think of supporting you all. I listen. I mean, I really didn't do anything. I listen to, if you want to talk, I listen. If you ask me questions, I answer them. Um, and like for his funeral service and all that, I did what y'all wanted me to do. I had no problem doing that. As far as grieving him, like I said, um, I had from how many years? 28 years to grieve hit the loss of that marriage. Uh, have you ever taken the time to actually acknowledge all that you've been to us, to him, to your siblings? to Because I hear you saying a lot about us and what you do for us. And you do a lot for me and my sisters, the people that you love, your granddaughters. But have you ever just taken the time to go, wow? Several times over the years, yes. Yes, I have. I, um, I think there's a song that talks about when you look back over your life, you know, you, you look back over your life, you see where you've come from. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I believe that um, if I didn't have faith in God and believe that he causes all things to work together for my good, I would have had a harder time. There were times when I would think, Lord, okay, how is this working for my good? You know? Mm -hmm. But when I look back, I think, look at me, look at this girl from Tyler, Texas, mm -hmm. the oldest of six kids with crazy siblings. I have level-headed, smart daughters. I have a daughter who's raising her daughters to be smart daughters. Mm -hmm. Some, and I think, well done. As far as yeah. that, that's concerned, you know, well done. I couldn't have asked for better. I could not have asked for better. I'm proud of all three of you. I'm proud of your, the way you think. Uh, and y'all have very different, different mindsets about so many things. But the love you have for each other um, is what makes your relationships work. Um, there's always a tiebreaker if y'all don't agree. Yeah, but also you had a lot to do with that too, mom. I remember when we were kids, you would say, we don't fight in here because we got to go out there and fight. So in here we yeah. love. And yeah, I think I, that's probably a big part of the reason that we are the way that we are. Um, as we wrap up, I just want to ask you, if there was one last thing you could say to dear, what would it be? And also if there was one last thing that you could say to daddy, what would it be? It, since they can't see me. <laughs> uh, for your dad, I would say, and this is what um, 
when I left him, I went to a marriage recovery workshop and they asked us to ask, think of one thing that your spouse allowed you to do that you wouldn't have been able to do without him or her. And my first reaction was nothing. He never did me. And then I thought, I was able to stay home with my three children for six years. And his motive was because it made him look good. But to me, that was a gift. Mm -hmm. I got to stay home with my daughters for six years. I didn't work out of the house. I worked in the house with, yeah. with the business and That's stuff. That's a full-time job. <laughs> and I would tell him, I know, but I would tell him, thank you. Thank you for letting me stay home with our daughters for six years. And thank you for being the dad you were to them when you were a good dad. And I always say that y'all are who you are because of him too. All three of you got him in you one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> Beauty or the beast, which way you are? <laughs> well, you, but you, you've learned to channel that, you know, you know, Call you've therapy. learned to channel that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I would say that. And I would tell him, thank you for helping me live a comfortable life in my old age. And he would know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, my mother, honestly, why did you treat me the way you did? And why did you leave me in charge of your bad children and your estate? <laughs> And I asked you not to, and you did anyway. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's, that's true. Well, since you so then, note, roll the break. <laughs> Lord have mercy. All right. Thank you. Hold on. Yeah, there you go. Get your wine, Jack. You need it or elderberry, whatever it is. All right. Well, mom, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate your transparency and your willingness to share and all of your openness. As your daughter, I thank you for always being here. And as a woman, I appreciate that you're always just honest about the road that you've traveled. And uh, I just love you. So with that, let's toast. <laughs> I love you too, daughter. I miss you so much. I know. I miss you too. I hate COVID, but we're going to make it. The whole goal <laughs> is to stay safe and tuck yes, away and I am. until we can come back together. And I can give you a big old All hug right. and a big kiss. All right. Toast in person. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Elderberry is pretty good. <laughs> Take it to the head, Sister Janice. On the next girl we need to talk. Can I ask Deanna a question? Yes. Absolutely. So how long, okay, so how long, how, how long has your mom been deceased? Domestic violence is never years. okay in okay. any situation. So how if long you did someone it you know needs you help, to call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799- I started acknowledging Mother's Day actually. Or head to their website, the hotline. This year. <laughs> um, okay. For my family members and having conversations with them 
um, like that's what that's what it took. That was the conversation with, you know, my dad and my stepmom and them understanding, you know, it's been a process for me. It's been difficult. It hasn't been easy, but they weren't things we talked about. It was just like an unspoken thing. Gotcha. I was just wondering because it took me it took me 10 years. Thank you for listening to Girl We Need to Talk. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a five star review on Apple Podcast. Want to watch the show? Be sure to subscribe to the Miss Charity Bailey YouTube channel and connect with me across all social media platforms at Miss Charity Bailey.